0: There's something for me about physical exercise that has always sparked a sort of chain reaction in various areas of my life, so follow me on this. In the rare seasons when I'm diligent to exercise, they are rare. In the rare ones, though, I can't help but become more aware of and more intentional about what I'm eating, what I'm drinking, what my sleep patterns are, stuff like that, right? What's, what's, what's more interesting is that when I'm disciplined in physical exercise, I also tend to be more disciplined in spiritual exercise, in, in the word, in worship, in prayer. Maybe you've experienced this sort of chain-reactive, interconnected phenomena where diligence in one area of life leads to Diligence, and you, you reap fruit in other areas of life. It could be exercise, or work, or finances, or what have you. But one thing I hope we see this morning in a in a very simple passage, uh, starkly different from the whole chapters of Genesis we've been walking through for the last several months. Right. One thing I hope we see though this morning in First Thessalonians five sixteen through eighteen. I'd invite you to turn in your Bibles there if you haven't already. One of the things I hope we see though is this chain reactive interconnectedness between thankfulness and worshipfulness and joyfulness. These are three attitudes. These are three postures that are not mutually exclusive. When thankfulness is truly present, Worshipfulness and joyfulness will not be far behind, and that is no matter the circumstance we face. So before I read, uh, this is a standalone, we're jumping right into First Thessalonians, we haven't been in Thessalonians recently, but the book of First Thessalonians was originally a letter Written from the Apostle Paul and Silas and Timothy to the Christian men and women living in the big city of Thessalonica, the Roman capital of Macedonia, located 100 miles west of Philippi. Home to more than 100,000 people, Thessalonica was as prosperous as it was pluralistic. Due to their location... In the most accessible natural harbor of the Aegean Sea, Thessalonica was a major juncture for the trading and transporting of goods. They had their own political structure, they had their own tax system, they had their own currency, but they also had a very Celtic allegiance to the Roman Empire in addition to an array of Greco-Roman and Egyptian gods whom they worshiped. Paul and Silas and Timothy, they cover a lot of ground in this relatively brief letter, but their main reason for writing was to reassure the Thessalonian Christians that they would be reunited with their recently deceased fellow believers at the second coming of Christ. Paul, Silas, and Timothy also wrote to instruct And to encourage the Christians in Thessalonica to live holy lives that are pleasing to God and glorifying to Christ. And it's that tone that is really behind the words that we're about to read. It's that heart that's behind Paul and Silas and Timothy's closing instructions to the Thessalonians. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 12, we're gonna cover the whole section, chapter five, verses 12 through 28, but our focus is going to be on, it's gonna be concentrated on verses 16, 17, and 18. So follow along, I would invite you. First uh, Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 12. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly and love because of their work Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all, and see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. I'll just read to the end. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss, except for Chris. Don't do that with him. (laughs) Now I'm adding, sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, Father. We acknowledge this is your word. We always try to, we thank you for it. We ask now that you might teach us and train us for your glory and for our joy in Jesus' name, amen. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. These three commands are grouped into one single sentence because there is an intimate, chain-reactive connection between them. And so, for the remainder of our time, the very simple outline, very simple message, and sometimes simple is profound. Lord, your word is profound. For the remainder of our time, we'll consider these, these three commands, these postures, what they are, what they mean, and how they are connected. So, if you're a note taker, really complicated this morning, my points will be this point one, thankfulness. Point two, worshipfulness. Point three, joyfulness. Thankfulness, worshipfulness, joyfulness. Now, I, I can read pretty well, I think, and I see, if you think I'm crazy here, I, I see that Paul doesn't begin these commands with give thanks in all circumstances," but because of the interconnectedness here that I'm hoping we see, and because this week is the week of Thanksgiving for us, I think it's fitting to begin with thankfulness, and so we'll, we'll do that, starting right at verse 18, thankfulness, give thanks in all circumstances. Let me change the emphasis. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is a fitting command to us. And it's particularly fitting for the Thessalonians because at the time of Paul's writing this letter, on the one hand, the Thessalonians were enjoying the prosperity. And privilege that permeated their city. They were enjoying food and clothing and homes and amenities. And yet, at the very same time they were enjoying those things, they were also experiencing pressure and even persecution on account of their Christian faith within a pluralistic society. Now, here's just a quick aside for a moment. Isn't it interesting that Pluralistic societies who pride themselves on being open and accommodating to anyone who wants to worship anything, they're often the first to scorn followers of Christ in pluralistic societies, and in relativistic societies. You can worship anyone, anytime, anywhere, anything, but if you're gonna worship Jesus, you can't worship him as the way, the truth, and the life, because that's narrow-minded bigotry, right? We see the contradiction. At the same time uh, uh, of Paul's writing, you know, at the same time in his writing this letter, the Thessalonians were facing, here's my point that I, we need to see. They're facing a mixed bag of circumstances. How's this for alliteration? They're facing prosperity and privilege, pressure, persecution. Peace. I mean, I worked all week on that, so I, I need a little bit more of a response. <laughs> amen, amen. Think though, think through this. Think about how similar our circumstances as Christians in America in the 21st century are to these brothers and sisters in Thessalonica. Think about it. We are recipients of so many privileges. We are also facing a multitude of pressures. And yet, God's word to each and every last one of us this morning, God's word is admonishing us give thanks in all of it. In each and every circumstance, whether the sun is shining or the rain is pouring, we are to give thanks. Now, walk with me into this. This Sunday before Thanksgiving, walk with me for a moment. Are you blessed? with an income of any sort? Are you blessed with a home, with a family, with a friend? Are you blessed with a community of believers? A car, a bed, a coat, a toothbrush? Well, okay count those blessings and recount those blessings and then recount them again and this week maybe let's take a few moments to jot them down on paper so we can see them and give thanks now walk into this with me are you facing i know the answer to this question by the way are you facing a difficulty of one kind or another Duh. are you facing a tough situation at home or at school or at work are you facing a health issue or a financial issue or a relational issue I chose my wording carefully here on this next question are you blessed to be facing at least one circumstance that is putting you in over your head Are you blessed to be in a circumstance that you wish you weren't in? It's the same word, blessed, that Christ uses in Matthew 5 when he tells us this. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who are reviled and persecuted on account of my name, he says further James chapter 1 you're probably very familiar with this passage urges us to joyfully count our trials to consider it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds I think it's easy to joyfully count tangible provisions in my life that make me happy I think it's easiest to do that it's a whole different ball game a whole different ballgame to joyfully count the difficulties I am facing. Unreliable health, unsteady finances, unapproachable bosses, unfriendly classmates. But you know why we can joyfully count our trials and give thanks for them here? There is a a nugget of gold here because our sovereign and good and loving God is using every circumstance, every difficult trial to mysteriously and mercifully soften our hearts to Him and strengthen the fortress of our faith in Him. He's doing it. He's using every difficulty you are facing to strengthen the armor of your faith what a paradox this armor gets stronger the more you beat it up and yet the bible is full of full of seeming paradoxes the great 19th century preacher Charles Spurgeon once said anything that draws us into prayer Anything that brings us to the end of our own strength and fosters within us a humble reliance upon God, anything that draws us into that kind of prayer is a blessing and an occasion to give thanks. This leads to point number two. And I use the term worshipfulness. See, to give thanks means to express gratitude to someone, right? We're giving over some thanks. And certainly at the forefront of Paul and Silas and Timothy's mind here is giving thanks to God, right? Our glorious triune creator God must be the ultimate object and recipient of all our thanksgiving. And like the Thessalonians, man, you and I have so much, much to be thankful for we have so much we have more than enough to lead us into raising a never ending prayer of worship and thanksgiving verse 17 pray without ceasing we see the interconnectedness here there's a chain reactive sequence going on Now, how might we understand the command to pray without ceasing? Well, Paul is intending that you and I, we'd quit our jobs and we'd lock ourselves in a prayer closet and that's all we ever, no, no, no. You know how breathing comes so naturally to us that we don't even think about it, right? When we're getting dressed in the morning or when we're sipping coffee, or driving to work, or sitting at school, without a second thought, we're breathing the entire time. That's the idea here. That's the idea Paul is conveying about prayer. Oh Thessalonians, imagine, oh Wisterians. As you roll out of bed each and every morning, prayerfully and worshipfully, give thanks to God for a safe night's rest. As you take a hot shower, hopefully every day, <laughs> prayerfully and worshipfully give thanks to God for that running water, like breathing. Thank you. As you read the newspaper each evening or morning or whenever you do, prayerfully and worshipfully, here, give thanks to God for every challenging headline that you read because... True or not true. Every difficulty that is actually happening in our world today, God is using to draw people to His saving grace. In Romans: 121, Paul explains that to thank God is to honor him to thank God is in fact to worship him you might even say that a quick prayer of thanksgiving whether by yourself or hopefully with your spouse if you're married or kids if you have them or coworker or neighbor or friend a quick prayer of thanksgiving could quite possibly be of the purest and most profound forms of worship Pausing for just a split second to tell the Lord, thank you. Thank you. Seems silly, but the shoes I'm wearing, thank you. Seems silly, but the sit on the chair that I'm sitting, thank you. Seems silly, but the water bottle, the whole thank you. Like breathing. Are we seeing how giving thanks in all circumstances? has this kind of chain reactive effect leading us into prayer without ceasing. Oh, that it would become just second nature to me, like breathing, right? And you as well, that we would be a church that prays without ceasing because it's just on the tip of our tongue all the time. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Counting our blessings in thankfulness to God leads to the resounding of blessings in worshipfulness of God leading to abounding in the blessing of joyfulness in God. Number three, joyfulness. Paul begins this three-tiered sentence in verse 16. Rejoice always, Thessalonians. Rejoice always, with Wisterians. So in the moments when the sun is shining and the birds are singing and the kids are laughing and the car is actually running, praise God, give thanks, rejoice, God is faithful. In the moments when rejoicing should come a bit easy, we should rejoice. But also, and especially, in the moments when rejoicing does not come so easy when rejoicing is in fact an act of sheer faith in what is unseen in the moments when rain is pouring and the roof is leaking and the baby is crying and your strength is waning and your friends seem to be dwindling and your finances are depleting okay rejoice God is faithful He knows your frame. Right now, where you sit, the circumstances you face, he knows your need. His grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect when you are weak. And me too. Hear how Peter writes. 1 Peter 1, uh, chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. In this you can rejoice. Though right now, for a little while you're being grieved by various trials. That's so, the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold may result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you don't see him right this second in this challenging moment, believe in him and then rejoice with a joy of that is inexpressible and filled with glory and the outcome of your faith is this the salvation of your soul This kind of rejoicing <laughs> despite our circumstances may very well be One of, if not the, most distinguishing mark of faithful Christians in the midst of a fallen world. It probably was for the Thessalonians to whom Paul is writing. It probably is for us. A spirit-empowered ability to joyfully worship God despite the onslaught of painful circumstances. Oh, church, What an apologetic. And our, you know, church, our joy is not derived in some sort of happy-go-lucky denial. Our joy is derived in the ironclad confidence that even when it feels like we are being overcome by the world, we take heart because Christ has overcome the world. More than a suspicion, I I believe that each of us is facing various degrees of difficulty right now. But ponder this with me in a spirit of joyfulness. Lord, give us joy. Are you, brother, sister, are you blessed to know and be known by God, the maker of heaven and earth? Are you blessed... To have received faith and repentance and atonement and remission of your sin by the blood of Christ. Are you blessed to be sealed by the Holy Spirit for an eternal life that will utterly eclipse the woes you are facing right now in this temporary moment? And they may be intense. Rejoice with me rejoice at what we have rejoice at who we are in Christ pray always be thankful always in every circumstance look at how Paul closes this out for this is the will of God for Christ of Christ for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you I hate it when I get tongue tied right okay Probably every one of us at some point in our lives has wondered, what is God's will for me? Should I move to this city? Should I attend this certain school? Should I pursue this certain job? What is God's will for me? Now concerning questions like these, God's word gives us general instruction that must inform our decisions, should very well inform our decisions, but there is also a lot of freedom. If you were a young man trying to discern God's will for your job, are you gifted at the work? Do you enjoy the work? Are you able to do the work for the glory of God? Will the work enable you to provide for your family? Is your work legal? I mean, you can't be a mob boss and glorify the Lord, right? Okay, so take the job, relax, trust God to lead you, okay? If you're a young woman trying to discern God's will and where you should live, well, is there a local church there to whom you can commit? A church who loves and trusts and obeys God's word to the best of their ability? Are there non-believers in the city or town to which you want to move before whom and in the midst of whom you can shine as lights in the world? To the glory of God can you be the woman God is forming you to be in that city or town or place okay so go live there and trust God to lead you scripture affords us a lot of general direction for navigating our lives within the will of God but notice the very end of verse 18 look at what we're told about the specificity of God's will for those in Christ rejoicing in praying to and giving thanks to God is His will for us. That's His will. So, Thanksgiving week. Do you want to please the Lord like I do? Do you want to live according to His will like I want to? Do you want to grow? in the heart happiness of joy despite whatever circumstances you are facing then give thanks in all of those circumstances rejoice in all of those circumstances praying without ceasing worshiping without ceasing on the tip of our tongues basking In God's pronouncement that we, under the blood of Christ, have been made righteous, and we now get to grow up into that very righteousness that already surrounds us by God's grace. And the worst of days we shall ever face on this earth will be the worst we ever taste because glory is coming for us that eclipses and wipes away our tears. And in the meantime, We get to hold on and be held fast by God Himself. This is God's will for us in Christ Jesus, our Savior. Happy Thanksgiving. Let's pray. Oh, Father, you have so loved us, undeserving. We are unmerited in, in the favor that we have received, Lord. It's undeserved. And yet, in Christ, in your mysterious, marvelous mercy, you have made us to be your people, and here we are. And Jesus, you told us that we would have difficulty in this world. You, you told us, you faced it to the, to the extreme, You told us we would have difficulty in this fallen world, but you also said you told us to take heart because you have overcome this fallen world. And you are with us. Your spirit is in us. Lord, you are leading us with great joy into the depths of righteousness that already clothe us, but to our joy and heart happiness, we may continue to walk facing that cross, facing the empty tomb, and putting on in obedience these Righteousnesses that you have bestowed to us. I pray we would do so with rejoicing, with worship and prayer, with gratitude, with thankfulness. Lord, saturate us with thankfulness and let us give thanks this week. Yes, to one another. Yes, to bosses. Yes, to co workers. But Lord, let us give our thanks to you. You are worthy the giver of all gifts. We give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.